Welcome to the True Crime Squad. I'm Christy Brower here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. How's it going? It's going just fine. Well, glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Yeah. It is, uh, it's been an interesting day. Yeah, it has. In this case. Because, of course, what are we here to talk about? The Lori Vallow trial, because what are we always here to talk about these days? The Lori Vallow trial. And today, you know, I've wondered, like, were there just, like, regular people in Tammy and Chad's life that are like, what the hell's going on here? And it turns out, why, yes, there are. Mm -hmm. And they are, in fact, wondering that. This was a really, this was a really telling day. I thought so, too. And a heartbreaking day, because yet again... Just so many people were harmed and and hurt by these people's actions. I mean, of course, their family and of course, their victims. But it just it rippled out from there so far. But yeah, it was an interesting day. Some real interesting moves on the defense's part too. Just just quite a day. I know. Yeah, and we'll get we'll get to that because I'm a little confused about it, frankly. But we'll we shall get there. We're going to share a little something with you. And we have a couple of the uh, podcasts that they did um, Mm -hmm. up on our feeds for you to listen to. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that listening to them, and I did a bunch of the, I did the audio editing on these. Mm -hmm. um, They don't really sound like they're doing a podcast. They sound like they're yelling into a tunnel with a bird tweeting in the background. (laughs) Like, there was no awareness of sound quality or background noise or anything like. No the, serious sound issues. Yeah. Wild. I, that's why I sent them to you. Cause your, your sound editing skills are a lot better than mine. And I went, nah, I'm not messing with these. They're too, they're too bad. <laughs> you know, I did my best. I did my best. And I did manage to get a lot of the courtroom noise out of the one that came that was, you know, played in the court today. Yeah, and we don't have that one posted yet, but we will after this show. So yeah, and you'll watch you'll, for that. Here it is. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, Journey. We hear that that Melanie and Ian Pulaski are in Boise. So what we say last night, we want to hear from them ASAP. We have to hear from them. I can't imagine that we're not going to hear from them, right? I think we would have started hearing from them today were it not for that uh, two-hour fight over a 40-minute podcast. podcast. I know. And I, we're going to hear, we're going to hear, we're going to talk a lot about that when we get to it. Because it is definitely, there were some odd choices made today. Yeah. So we started out with Dr. Eric Christensen back on the stand. And of course, he did Tammy's autopsy. Mm Mm-hmm. And so this was for some cross-examination. This was John Thomas um, asking for, you know, like, what is pathology? (laughs) Um, Stuff like that. So he wanted to know about the frothy substance that was coming out of Tammy Daybell's mouth, if that was ever collected or tested 
He said he didn't think that it was tested. Um, he wanted, Thomas wanted to know if that was normal. <laughs> and the doctor was like, well, we know what it is. I don't know what testing you would do. Yeah. Maybe there were poison, there was poison or substances in the frothy substance. But they tested right. Tammy's toxicology exhaustively. Like, uh, Thomas's ability to play dumb is, well, frighteningly good. Let's just say that. Uh-huh. And it was just like it would have given the same information as the liver test that they did. Like it's not yeah. like some smoking gun. It isn't. No. He also wanted to know about seizures and you know, if you could check for abnormal electric electric tissues in the brain after they died. Yeah. Uh and I love the doctor's response because I thought this was great. It's kind of like a car. Because after the car dies, you can't check to see if there was an engine problem because the car is dead. Yes. Yeah. But he still really believes it's very unlikely that Tammy would have seizures because she had no history of seizures and right. no medical conditions that would have given her seizures. Right. Right. Um, Just no indication at all in any kind of her autopsy that a seizure would be likely. No. No. Wanted to know about her Prozac, fluoxetine. And isn't that, isn't there a side effect of fluoxetine is seizures, which is a really rare side effect that very few people ever get. Um, you know, the doctor was not totally aware of that, but he didn't still, I, he didn't believe Tammy had a seizure. Right. Well, and also Tammy was 49 years old. Right. And had never had seizures before in any of her medical history and still didn't have any seizures in her medical history. Can you imagine yourself at 49, out of the blue, to start having seizures and not go to the doctor? Right. Something would be seriously wrong if that were to be the case. She would have and he had tried that whole, right, like a brain tumor or something. He right. had tried that whole routine of, you know, that she just, they, they begged her to go to the doctor and she just wouldn't go. But, bro, she had just fallen and sprained her wrist and was on what? Tramadol. Yeah. She'd been to the doctor. Right. So clearly she would have gone to the doctor if something were wrong. Yeah. So then Dr. Christensen says that they did dissect Tammy's brain and look at it thoroughly and that there were no medical abnormalities yeah. that were associated with seizures or anything else. Mm -hmm. But Thomas says it's possible that he could have missed something. The man, the doctor who, you know, did the examination. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So finally he gets Christensen sure, Jen. Sure. to say that it's possible. It's possible she could have died from a seizure, but it's really not likely. And we all know it. Um, Thomas is just making up stuff, making up medical mm -hmm. stuff all, all over the place. He wants to know about vitamins and natural medications because she had, you know, mm -hmm. as most people do, um, some vitamins and herbs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He wanted to know if it's possible to overdose on vitamins or natural medications. Oh, yeah. He wanted to know if she overdosed on essential oils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christensen said, well, it is possible to overdose on anything. Wanted to know if she'd been tested for vitamin po vitamin poisoning, whatever mm -hmm. that is. Mm -hmm. um, because every vitamin would have its own test for, you know, if... And they did exhaustive tests on her, you know? I I'm starting to think that Thomas attended the Mark Means School of Forensics or Pathology. Yeah. yeah. He's just... I think he's just playing to the jury. 
Yeah. But it's aggravating. So, yeah, I wanted to know if they tested for essential oil poisoning. And Christensen said he was unaware of a test for that. Uh, <laughs> dude, what? Wanted to know about heavy metals. That it is possible to die from heavy metal poisoning. And Tammy was tested for that. And she did not have heavy metal poisoning. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Thomas wanted to talk about the external review of Tammy's body um, and the bruises. Wanted to know, Thomas wanted to know if the bruises were consistent with someone falling or being hit with something or more consistent with someone being held down. He says he can't determine how the bruises were caused because they're just bruises mm -hmm. and someone could fall down and get them. Um, he said that the, really the reason that he associates the bruises with asphyxia is because of where they are. Uh -huh. forearms and chest come yeah. on like this yeah uh wanted to know about time of death um if she'd been um you know lying dead in her bed for a number of hours and he did say that that's possible because yeah they they don't they don't have a clear time of death right because chad is a lying liar from liarsville as we know right now i thought this was very interesting thomas asked to admit an exhibit but then it withdraws it and has no further questions. <laughs> what the hell was, was it going to be an episode of CSI? That was my first thought. <laughs> like, what was he going to, it was. Yes. what kind of exhibit? First of all, he was cross-examining and I know they can submit things, but they mm -hmm. don't very often. And, and what would he have submitted? Uh, An article he printed off Wikipedia about essential oil poisoning. Like that was, <laughs> that was so strange. That was just, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, that that whole thing, I was like, well, whatever. That was probably wise of you to not do it because... I'd like to enter this. Never mind. You yeah. guys don't get to see it. I mean, yeah. CSI Las Vegas was the my favorite The brochure. One, so. <laughs> yeah, the doTERRA brochure, right? I know. That was interesting. <laughs> I would really like to know what it was, though. Uh, me too. I thought that was really curious. Yeah. yeah. So then we get um, Lindsay Blake back for some redirect. Yeah. Um, wanted to know about how the coroner had determined that Tammy's cause of death was pulmonary edema. And Christensen said that that is not a cause of death. It's a symptom, mm -hmm. but it is not actually the cause of death. Yeah. And, you know, he did clear, she had him clarify again. Oh my God. They're going to talk about seizures until we all have one. I think, um, <laughs> she wanted to clarify why he ruled out seizures as cause of death. And he said that, mm -hmm. You know, most people who have seizures have normal brains, but a normal brain does not exclude, exclude seizures, you know, but her age and lack of history of seizures helped him to rule that out. He says people who are 49 don't usually start to have seizures. Um, you know, he rules out any kind of intoxicant, essential oils, vitamin C, um, ashwagandha root, whatever, you know. <laughs> Because they did an exhaustive nature, you know, the exhausting nature of the testing done. He said exhaustive. I mean, so Tammy wasn't times. doing shrooms or ayahuasca either? No, it turns out no. Also, wouldn't have killed her, but okay. Yeah. I guess it depends yeah. on the kinds of shrooms, but. Yeah. Um, he, said, he says, this kills me. Hundreds and hundreds of medicines and drugs were not found in Tammy's system. Right. That's pretty, that, that, Yeah. And so Blake said, well, you can't say for sure. Did those bruises appear consistent with someone who was restrained? 
And Christensen said, yes, they are consistent with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Thank God for the redirect. I know, because uh, to say that Thomas was in the weeds would be charitable at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, This one, this one killed me. Uh, Blake asked Christensen, would you expect a dead person to roll out of bed? And he said, not without some sort of force. He says he's seen dead bodies shift positions, but it's usually from some kind of decomposition after a person has been dead for quite some time. And then she has no further questions. (laughs) That part. Yeah. Do you often see people who are dead roll out of bed? No. No, I don't. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Good to know. So um, next witness is Detective Bruce Mattingly. He's a Fremont County Sheriff's uh, deputy. Mm Mm-hmm. And, or detective, sorry. Yeah. Let's see. So he um, did get the call about the unattended death of Tammy. Um, Deputy Greenhall went out and then called Mattingly. Mm-hmm. And she said she didn't find anything suspicious. And so he didn't go to the house. Mm-hmm. You know, we can all lament that for yep. now until forever. But yeah. Uh, then... They find out, well, Greenhall tells Mattingly that she found out about the shooting on October 9th, or the not shooting, you know, of a suspicious call of a paintball gun, whatever that was about. He wasn't part of that investigation. But again, they knew that happened. Mm -hmm. Not very long before, 10 days before Tammy died. Mm -hmm. Red flags? Anyone? Anyone. Did not put anything together. No, no. No. So then, this says November 1st. It isn't November 1st. It says they began investigating the disappearance of JJ and Tylee on November 1st. And I think this got all mixed up because it's not November 1st. It was December, not November. But he did um, talk about how it did become a joint investigation with the FBI, Rexburg Police, Chandler Police, and Gilbert, who were all doing you know, investigations into suspicious activities relating to the yeah. same group of people. What Mattingly did do is he got Tammy's medical records and pharmacy records. They didn't actually show them, but they did talk about them. And he yeah. said, you know, that nothing stood out to him really in relating to Tammy having any kind of medical condition that could have pointed to her cause of death. Um, Blake asked, you know, did she have any history of fainting or dizzy spells? None. History of seizures? No. Low blood pressure. Remember, Chad said, um, told one of the detectives or somebody, one of the officers there that that day that she'd been having really bad problems with low blood pressure. Not true. Uh-huh. That was not in her medical history at all. And that he said that uh, there was none in her medical <laughs> history and and everything basically that Chad said was the completely op- complete opposite of what was actually true. Yeah. Yeah. Now they found Tammy's Fitbit and this was kind of a big deal because they were hoping she had been wearing it when she died because it would have given them a time of death. Right. But it didn't. It just gave steps counted. Like it didn't really help them at all. No. Except for to show that she had a high step count. Mm-hmm. She did. She had, you know, January through October of 2019. Total steps for the year were 2.7 million. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first part of the year, they were a little lower, and then she was above average for the rest of the year. And yeah. from that, they could see that she was active up until the time of her death. 
Mm-hmm. And that there didn't seem to be any slowdown, like she was sick or not feeling well. Right. He said he now, never found anything that supported that she had health issues. That he did find out she was involved in clogging and Zumba and was preparing for a 5K, which definitely does not sound like she was not feeling well. The 5K is interesting because some of them have said she was preparing for a 5K and some of them said she had just run a 5K. Right. right I know. I've never been sure. Which was which? Because we've heard both yeah. of that. Yeah. That, oh, that one's confused me a little. Or maybe it was both. You know, it could have been both. And maybe but... it was. I don't know. She was obviously training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was obviously training. Okay. So then they start talking about the life insurance policies. Mm-hmm. So Mattingly looked into those. She had one from Primerica and one from LifeMap. Well, actually, it was two from LifeMap. Right. So he got search warrants for those uh, companies and then, you know, they submitted those documents into evidence. So the Primerica policy had Tammy and Chad and they were, you know, beneficiaries of each other. Mm-hmm. And the amount for Tammy was $300,000 and that was paid to Chad when she died. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the life map policy, um, Tammy was insured and Chad was her beneficiary and that was $80,000 and that was paid out to Chad. Mm-hmm. But there was also an additional $50,000 life map policy. Mm-hmm. So a second policy. So that made the life map pay out $130,000. So that's where we get the $430,000 mm-hmm. amount. But yeah. That's what Chad got. Uh, so then um, Blake was done. So Archibald on cross, he wanted to know if Mattingly had learned that, Ho- that uh, Lori was in Hawaii at the time of Tammy's death. And he said that he did know that. And he wanted to know if Lori's device, her phone, was on Chad's property mm-hmm. on October 9th when Tammy was shot at or the 19th when she was killed. It wasn't on either day. Uh, he wanted to know what type of medication she was on. She was on tramadol and an antidepressant. And the tramadol was because she hurt her wrist. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to know if he'd referred, you know, had, uh, oh, reviewed her school personnel file. And Mattingly was like, yep. And she was a good employee. There were no issues there. Right. I thought that was interesting. Right. You better not be trying to vilify Tammy, dude. Right. It was like, what? That's a shit question. Uh Tabby was yeah. so beloved at her school, but I don't care if she was the most ratchet employee that ever happened. She didn't deserve this. No, absolutely not. I thought that was kind of a weird question. Mm-hmm. So the Primerica life insurance policy was first established when they still lived in Springville, Utah. So it had been around a while. Mm-hmm. The life map policy was something that was offered through the school district. Tammy worked part-time at the school district at first. And then when she went full-time, she was eligible for a maximum amount. So after working at the school district a year, she was eligible to receive five times her annual salary. And that's where that uh, money from LifeMap came from. Uh I thought this was really interesting. Archibald wanted to know if the life insurance companies wanted their money back from Chad because of fraud. Right. And I've wondered this as well. We've talked about this a lot. Yeah. Right. And I'm wondering if they're just waiting for a conviction because they really have to have proof. You know, they have to have, I would imagine they have to have a conviction. Yeah. Because uh, the detective Mad- had no idea. Yeah. Mattingly said it had been talked about, but he didn't know. 
there are no fraud charges against Chad at this point. There are fraud charges against Lori for social security yeah. fraud. But you would think there'd be life insurance fraud charges for Chad as well. Yeah. Should be. For sure. Yeah. Now, I don't think they said it today, but it has been testified in the past that that life insurance policy was increased. Uh, right. The Primerica one was like extremely, in, like, wasn't it like, like double from like 100,000 to 300,000 in September of that year? Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something along those lines. So he had increased it. Yeah. So then there was a sidebar because, of course, isn't there always a sidebar? <laughs> so yes. Archibald is done. So then Blake is asking some follow-up questions. Uh, she wanted to know if Chad was has any charges pending for insurance fraud. Mm -hmm. Mattingly said he doesn't recall. I don't believe he is, mm -hmm. at least not at this point. And then she said, did you learn whether or not the defendant was living off the proceeds of those insurance funds while living in Hawaii with Lori Vallow. And, you know, Mattingly says yes. So, mm -hmm. you know, they were living it up in Hawaii on Tammy's life insurance. Mm -hmm. That's so gross. Don't worry, so though. They took Chad's kids to Knott's Berry Farm. Right. So that should have just made it all right. That cheap mofro couldn't even take his kids to Disneyland. He had to go to Knott's Berry Farm. Right. Which is the discount. Mm-hmm. Disneyland. I know that was terrible. Right? Weird. So now we get to the Gilberts. This was so mm. simple. So interesting. So first yeah. we have Alice Gilbert on the stand. Mm -hmm. She um let's see. She moved into the Daybells neighborhood in LDS Ward in 2017. Mm -hmm. And she worked with Tammy at church. So Alice was the Relief Society president. The Relief mm -hmm. Society is the program for adult women mm -hmm. uh, in the Mormon church. And Tammy was the first counselor. So she was, they worked together to run that program. Yeah. So Tammy was basically Alice's assistant, her right-hand woman. Yeah. Yep. They met once a week um, for meetings about what they were doing. And then they also saw each other on Sundays. So I'm mm -hmm. sure that they got to know each other pretty well. Uh-huh. Because they were still in that same calling yeah. when Tammy died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alice said that Tammy was shy and organized and knew computers very well. Um, whenever they planned an activity, Tammy would say, let's keep it simple. Um, and that's just how she lived. Simple. Which uh -huh. is really clear based on a lot of a lot of things. That Tammy lived a pretty uncomplicated life. Except yeah. for, you know, being married to Chad. Uh -huh. Alice said that she remembers Tammy and Chad's relationship seemed good, normal at first. He would come and help set up chairs for her activities. He would help her out, you know, and support yeah. her. But in 2019, man, 2019 was the worst year for these people ever. Um, yeah. He seemed to become more distant. And Tammy didn't talk about her relationship, but did mention one time that they were having some financial trouble. Um, yeah. I'm sure they were. I mean, seriously, yeah. Tammy was a secretary or a librarian at an elementary school. Right. In Sugar City, Idaho. She could not have been making very much. No. And Chad was essentially not working. I yeah. mean, his books could not have been making that much money. No, no, I know. They had to have been real tight. Mm -hmm. Um. 
Alice said that she never noticed that Tammy slowed down before her death. She said, in mm -hmm. fact, I think her energy increased mm -hmm. and that she never saw Tammy faint or have any kind of shaking fits or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So at 7 a.m. on October 19th, Emma, who is Tammy's daughter, called Alice sobbing and said that her mom had died. Chad took the phone from Emma and told Alice not to tell anyone and to wait for about an hour. Yeah. You got to understand. And I'm sure that this is true in, in all like religious communities. Someone yeah. in your family dies, you call your religious leaders, you want them um, come, come to your house, help you, give you a blessing, help make plans for their funeral. I mean, all of that stuff is stuff that you would immediately want your religious leaders to come and be a part of. Mm -hmm. And so for Chan to say, don't tell anybody. And then also said, you know, Alice said, but you need to call, we need to call the bishop. I need, I'll call the bishop. Yeah. Um, because that's your religious leader. That's your clergy person, right? Yeah. And Chad didn't want her to. Nope. Also weird. Mm -hmm. Well, she did it anyway, because I think she was thinking of Emma and the other kids, you know, like, yeah. so yeah. she went over to the house at about 830 in the morning that day. And um, he said, Chad gave her a hug and all the kids were there with their spouses, except for Mark, who wasn't there yet. And she said she remembers that the kids just seemed stunned. Mm -hmm. that they were all on the couches and chairs and that they could hardly speak. Yeah. She said they were stunned. Yeah. Chad was not stunned. Not stunned. Yeah. Not stunned I mean, imagine the shock of having your mother just die up and die, right. you know, without no. any future or yeah, any warning, any thought of anything being wrong. She just dies. Anybody would be in serious shock. Right. Yeah. So Alice had seen Tammy the Wednesday before she died, Tammy died on a Saturday. So she had just only seen her a few days prior. She said Tammy didn't have any health issues. She wasn't coughing, didn't see anything going on. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that Mormons do, and I'm sure lots of other church people do, but they get right into feeding the family when yes. somebody dies. They're going to get right in there. One of the big things they do is start bringing meals in and setting up a schedule for bringing in food and Asked, you know, she asked all of Chad's kids and spouses if they'd eaten and they hadn't. She said, okay, I'm going to get you some breakfast. And as she went to leave to do get them some breakfast, uh, Chad pulled her. This is the morning that Tammy died. This yeah. is like three hours after supposedly he found her body. Yeah. He says the funeral is going to be on Tuesday and there will be a memorial on Wednesday. And Alice thought that was weird and very quick because mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. And, and that she, he already knew that. Yeah. He already knew that. He wondered, and she asked if this was planned, like had they pre-planned their funerals, which people do, but not usually at this age. Usually if you're older, you're ill, but not just, yeah, healthy, regular people. Yeah. And so, so when she asked him if they had pre-planned their funerals, he said no. Yeah. And she thought that was odd that, it's already planned. There's already a date. Like all of that stuff yeah. usually takes a few days after a death. So Alice talked about going to Tammy's funeral in Springville, Utah. She said, I had to tell her goodbye. She had to see her. She went to the viewing, you know, um, and she cries during this. Like this is a person who was important to her, who she knew well, you know, this was upsetting. This whole thing was upsetting. Yeah. 
She said that the kids all spoke and that they did a good job. Um, and that Chad spoke, which I have to tell you is really odd in Mormon funerals for the spouse to speak. They generally don't. Mm -hmm. um, he did. She said he gave a good talk, maybe more like a church talk than a spouse would speak about their spouse. Yeah. Also odd. Mm, I mean, for the Mormon church. Well, no, that's true. There's a lot of doctrine in Mormon funerals. A lot. Sometimes a lot more doctrine than even uh, talk of the uh, deceased. Yes. But for the husband to do that was weird. The yeah. fact that he spoke at her funeral at all was a little weird. A lot of times the spouse does not speak. Because they're not up for it. Yeah. 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 That, that was odd. All of this went but differently than you would expect. Chad couldn't miss an opportunity to stand at the pulpit. Right. You know, he couldn't miss an opportunity to preach his shit. That's what he was doing. It's very true. Yeah. Um, Alice said she didn't go to the memorial service the next day. I think that was the one that was at the school, right? Yeah. Um, because they had been at the funeral. Mm -hmm. um, but that night, so the next day after the funeral, she took a meal to Chad's house. He was there and he said he was moving out because he couldn't be there in the house anymore. Mm -hmm. This is the day after the funeral. Yeah. And he says he's going to Rexburg to a friend, a friend who has a condo. He said his friend was hardly ever there. And so Chad was going to be able to stay there. Yeah. And he called that friend a he. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My ass. Mm -hmm. Um. Alice said that the kids were there having dinner and that they didn't question him about moving out of the house. Yeah. Um, so then Alice, she stayed pretty involved. She stopped in to see Emma and Garth a few I gotta, days later. You gotta give Alice some props, man. You really do. She well, did not she, go away. She was the Relief Society president and it is literally their job. True. But she visited um, with Emma and Garth and Emma was really upset and crying, talking about missing her mom. And mm -hmm. saying that Chad didn't want anything to do with her or her siblings. Yep. Um, she visited Garth. He said that he was hoping he wouldn't lose his dad. So immediately Chad just turns away from his family. Yep. Uh, Alice said that Emma got very sick and lost a lot of weight after her mom died. Mm-hmm. And that the ward and the school district um, continued bringing in meals to the kids who were still living in Chad and Tammy's house. Yeah. But what a bizarre and screwed up mess that yeah. as soon as she's gone, he doesn't want anything to do with his kids anymore. Mm -hmm. It always takes me back to that comment in a text message where he said, I'm like Harry Potter living with the Dursleys. Yep. Just... This is your wife and your children, you jackass, you know? Yeah, well, the Dursleys were good enough for him as soon as he got arrested, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah. So uh, another week passes. She calls Chad to see if she can come visit. And, and he says, no, he'd come see her. Yes, of course. Sure. Of course, because, yeah. you know, we all know he was at Lori's house. Uh, let's see. So they reached out again on October 26th after Tammy's death. So Chad came to their house uh, to visit. Alice made cookies and he came in and sat in the kitchen. Yeah. 
and they wanted to know how he was doing, you know, and he said, actually, I'm very, I'm going very, I'm doing very good. Mm-hmm. And that he had met the woman he was going to marry. This is Can October 26th. Yeah. She died on October 19th. Like, yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is seven days after her death, and he's professing that he's doing great and found the person he's going to marry. Tammy who? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, He talked all about how beautiful she was and that they'd met at a conference in St. George. Mm -hmm. They asked for her name, and apparently he didn't really want to say it. But he eventually did say that her name was Lori Vallow. Well, I mean, he told the truth about that. They did meet at a conference in St. George. Yeah, just not long, just long before either of their spouses were dead. Uh, Let's see. So then they talked about running into Chad in the temple Mm -hmm. on a Tuesday night. And there... Then um, Chad introduces Alice to Lori and her niece, Melanie, Melanie Boudreaux at the time. Yeah. And that it was awkward. I'm sure it was because these people were friends with Tammy. They had to be like, what the hell is going on here? Right. So then Chad, because he just cannot stop. He brings her over to their house. Mm -hmm. And she talks about how affectionate that they were with each other. And that that is not something that she saw when he and Tammy were together. Yeah. And that she was giggling and laughing. Sound familiar? Yeah. This is the uh, regular temple, by the way, in case you're curious what that uh, what that looks like. Yeah. So that's where they met uh, Lori initially. Mm-hmm. Um, Alice said that she and her husband were embarrassed because they'd never seen Chad that way and that they were acting like teenagers. Yeah. So Alice being the wonder woman that she is because Alice just never backed down. And I just love her. She asked Lori if she had been married. Lori said that her husband had died recently of a heart attack. Yep. And Chad said that Lori had recently lost a daughter. How fucking gross is that? Yeah. Um, she also just remembers that Chad never acted flirtatious or affectionate with Tammy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they, Can you imagine she, how weird that was for them. That had to be so weird. They had to know, like, yeah, stuff is weird. This is all wrong. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it must have been so extremely weird and awkward. The thought that Chad now. Chad is as arrogant as all get out. We know that, right? Right. Chad is so self-assured, or was, about all of his bullshit. But the way they... He smeared this in everyone's face. The way he just immediately started parading Lori around. My God, it's just shocking. Yeah. Like, so clueless Mm -hmm. that other people wouldn't be like, this is weird. This is Mm -hmm. not what people would normally do, you know? 
So she, you know, was trying to have a conversation with Lori, wanting to know how she was doing in the cold weather because it was extra cold Mm -hmm. in October of that year. You know, just, I don't know, trying to feel Lori out, I think. Mm -hmm. So then Chad tells the Gilberts that he's going to Hawaii to write a book. Yes. And then he also tells them that he and Lori are getting married, but they don't know when, which is total bullshit because there Mm -hmm. was no book writing going on in Hawaii. And we all know it. And the wedding was already scheduled. Yeah. And they wait, they weren't going to get married until Christ said so, guys. Right. So they were just wait until Christ said yes. And then they were going to pull that trigger. They were feeling it all out. Uh, A note uh, from Paula. Yeah. Nate said that, uh, Lori smiled and giggled when Alice described how they were acting. Can you imagine what the jury thought of that? Yeah. Jesus Christ. So he did say that they were taking Chad's kids kids to Disneyland, which it wasn't Disneyland. It was Knott's Berry Farm, Mm -hmm. which is dollar store Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And that was around Thanksgiving. Uh, They didn't say anything else about any other kids. And so... She said that she had the impression that Lori didn't have any other kids, that her daughter who had died, she thought the daughter must have been like an older, like an adult daughter who died of mm-hmm. cancer or something. And then Chad and Lori come back after they got married. Mm-hmm. And what do they do? They stop by the Gilbert's house again to show them their wedding pictures. Yeah. And this was around two weeks after the first time that they had met Lori. Yeah. And she was pretty shocked to see that Chad had already married her. Mm-hmm. So then they remember Chad coming to visit by himself in February of 2019. But I think that should say, oh, no, that's right. Okay. February yeah. 2019. Mm-hmm. And he says he had a vision that Tammy's time on earth was coming to an end and it was fulfilled. Mm-hmm. He didn't know how or when, but he didn't see her living past the age of 50. So this is in February mm-hmm. of 2019. She dies in October of 2019. So mm-hmm. he's setting this up that far in advance. I mean, you talk mm-hmm. about premeditation here. Yeah. So then after Lori gets arrested in Hawaii, Chad has the gall to visit the poor Gilberts again mm-hmm. and ask if he can live in one of their spare bedrooms because his <laughs> house was too crowded. Can you even? Oh, my God. I cannot. I am sure that it took all Alice had to not just slap him across the face. Mm -hmm. Uh, She said they had a daughter coming to live with them and didn't have room. Thank God. She probably would have said anything at that point. Right? Yeah. So then Lori's bond hearing gets scheduled and Chad visits them again. And this Mm -hmm. just kills me. Asks if they would put up their property for Lori's bond. Can you imagine? Fucking kidding me right now. Like, (laughs) what? Um, They said they'd think about it, and he left. I mean, you're way too nice here. They're being too nice. Yeah, Yeah. you know they weren't ever going to do that. the next day, Chad texts them and said that he had arranged for a bondswoman to come and talk with them. This Mm -hmm. is how sure he is that, uh, yeah, that they're going to do this. Right. Like, hey, just in case you're still thinking about it, I'm going to have this bondswoman come talk to you. Yes, yeah. of course. And there was an objection there from Thomas about some of that questioning. Mm-hmm. So then we just sort of jump forward in time a little bit. And Alice says mm-hmm. that during um, 
one of his visits to the Gil Gilberts. This is obviously after um, they know about Lori and Lori's kids and them mm -hmm. being missing. She confronts Chad about the fact that um, he told her that Lori's daughter had died. Yeah. And Chad denied saying that. Yeah. Tries to gaslight her and pretend yeah. like he never said that. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, and she knew the kids were missing. So she says yeah. to Chad, didn't Tylee deserve a life, a car, a boyfriend? And this is what Chad said. And this is the epitome of what an asshole he is. And a cell phone. Yes. Uh, she didn't like people and she didn't like me. Didn't. Didn't. He is past tense. Mm -hmm. She also remembers hearing Chad, overhearing Chad saying to someone else, they think I killed my wife. Yeah. And that's where uh, Blake is done with her questions. So then we get Archibald on cross uh, with, with Alice. He wants to know how she knew Melanie Gibb. She said she didn't, but she listened to some of the podcasts. So then we start getting into the podcast stuff mm -hmm. that she had. They, she and her husband had attended some of the preparing people um, conferences, mm -hmm. had heard some of the podcasts with Melanie Gibb and Lori. Mm -hmm. um, he wanted to know what kind of podcasts they were. And she said that they were upbeat and positive, a lot of encouragement, you know, a lot of life in them mm -hmm. is what she said. Uh, Archibald wanted to know if she was aware of what Chad did for a living. And she said that she did know that he wrote books and that she had read his last series before they moved to Rexburg. So she knew a little bit about who he was beforehand. Yeah. Um, she said she wasn't quite sure about the books um, and that she didn't really talk to him about it. Mm -hmm. She said that she didn't really talk to Chad about his visions and stuff, but that her husband had at some, mm -hmm. sometimes at church. Um, she, he wanted to know if Alice talked to Chad about the conferences he went to. And that's when she said that they'd been to some of the preparing of people conferences in Rexburg and yeah. Boise. Um, and that Chad did present at those at seminars at both of those. And, and that he also attempted to sell his books. Thank you, Alice, for getting a nice little dig in there. That was great. He, <laughs> a, he attempted to sell his books. His books. Yeah, his books. <laughs> Right. Alice was a badass. I really liked her. Yeah, Alice was great. You could tell that Alice was like, I've had enough of this motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Archibald asks her if Chad's goal in talking about his near death experiences which was to sell books. And she said that she thought that that was true. Wanted to know if the seminars that he was giving was sanctioned or approved by the Mormon church. Alice didn't think so. And mm -hmm. She's, she learned about preparing a people after seeing a brochure in Rexburg. Preparing mm -hmm. a people and those conferences and stuff were not directly related to the Mormon church at all. No. Uh, he wanted to know about the subject matter at these. Um, and if, you know, if that was approved by the Mormon church and she said, no, she said there were lots of topics like fossils, the book of Mormon, positivity, food storage and stuff. Uh, so they weren't approved, but they also weren't disapproved. Right, but they weren't sanctioned and like they weren't. The church wasn't by. hosting them. Yeah, right. Yeah, but it was essentially Mormons putting them on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he wanted to know if some of the topics focused on the end of the world, and Alice said that Chad's did. Mm -hmm. um, Archibald wanted to know 
if Chad ever talked to her about the church of the firstborn. Mm -hmm. Um, She said not in the seminars, but that she had heard him talk about that with her husband. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She said, sometimes you just nod and listen, but again, you have no idea. (laughs) I love Alice. I'd like to give her a big hug for this. She did a great Mm -hmm. job. Um, So then we get into a little bit of argument with uh, the attorneys. He wants to know if, if she knows if the church of the firstborn is a splinter group of the LDS church, there was an objection about that, that it was beyond the scope and it was sustained. So then (laughs) this was his rewording. Wanted to know if she thought that Chad was a weird guy. (laughs) And she said he was, but, but there are a lot of weird people. Mm. And she, he also asked Alice if she looks to Chad for any kind of spiritual guidance, which she said, she did not. <laughs> but you got to understand, uh, they were neighbors. Right. They were in the same ward. When in the LDS church, the people that are in your ward are an extension of your family. That is your church family. Yeah. And there is a fair amount of tolerating nonsense. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, yeah, he was a weirdo. But then again, mm-hmm. he was our neighbor and our church mate. And, you know, right. there is but, an yeah. expectation to be tolerant of people in your ward because they mm-hmm. are considered to be your ward family. And I, people do. I mean, I can think of people that we went to church with that were flat nuts, you know, but yeah. We, and it was never like, to, it was yeah. never like, Oh, we're not going to associate with them. No, they were in our ward, mm-hmm. your ward family. That was yes. a very common phrase. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, you just put up with the wackadoodleness. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately clear. I think sometimes the abuse, you know, and, and other Mm-hmm. You know, seriously, inappropriate, behavior, inappropriate and behavior and stuff because you were just kind of expected to. Yeah. 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 So Archibald's last question for Alice was, uh, was Lori enamored with Chad? And she said that they were definitely in love. Mm-hmm. So Blake on redirect said, did Chad appear enamored with Lori? And she said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to know, was Chad more enamored with Lori than he was with Tammy? And she said, yes. So then we get Todd Gilbert, who is Alice's husband on the stand. Yep. And so they saw each other at church, kind of talked, you know, in their yards to each other. They knew each other fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd said that he had read some of Chad's books and that Chad had talked with him about his dreams and visions and the characters in his books. Yeah. And he said that the books were fictional and that were patterned after his visions. So he yeah. was pretty aware, like, of what he was up to as far as what his beliefs were and stuff. Yeah. Um, Todd did talk about that Chad taught him some religious stuff. Mm-hmm. And he said, if they were standard LDS topics, I agreed with him. Uh, he said, if they weren't, he ignored them. Mm-hmm. But see, <laughs> this is what was happening. I mean, Chad was proselyting to a lot of people that were kind of like, oh, uh, that's oh. that's interesting, you know, yeah. rather than anything else. Until later. I mean, we do know that at one point, because of this same stuff, uh, he there was disciplinary action taken against him by the LDS church. Yeah. When he was excommunicated. Yeah. That uh, you know, they had there had been a meeting with the stake president and the bishop and someone else couple of, well, the first and second counselors probably, and they had called him in and said, 
we understand that you are telling people all of these things, uh, including that he was the prophet now and that they needed to listen to him. Yeah. And he took that as an opportunity to pontificate to them for about 45 minutes. And they were like, well, so we really have no choice at this point but to excommunicate you. And he was like, do what you want. Yeah. I'm the prophet. No, I'm the prophet. No, I'm the prophet. Yeah. No, I'm the prophet. Yeah. Kind of one of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. also he remembers that in February of 2019, as Chad was leaving their house, he said, I don't know if I should tell you this or not, but I have, but I've had a vision that Tammy is going to die and move on before her 50th birthday. Yep. Gross. Mm -hmm. And figure this is about the time that Lori has been threatening to kill Charles. This right. is around the time that Lori or that Lori is, has hightailed it for Hawaii and Charles mm. is filing for a divorce and telling his attorneys if anything happens to me it was Lori and Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. He said he remembers going to Chad's house on the morning that Tammy died and that he seemed businesslike, that Chad seemed businesslike. Mhm. Mm um, more business-like than someone who had just lost their companion. Yeah. Um, he said things were already planned out and ready to go for the funeral. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Chad told lots of people about his creepy vision about Tammy because he loved being right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, so badass Todd. Good job, Todd. Uh, he mentioned the vision to Chad on the morning that Tammy died. And Chad turned his back so his kids didn't see what he said. And he whispered to Todd, yes, it did. You know, that yeah. he'd, he'd said, you know, that it had actually happened. And he said, yes, it did. Yeah. Gee, that's not suspicious at all. No. Uh, Todd saw Tammy at church. Never thought she was in failing health or had anything uh, going on. Sure. You know, medically or anything. Uh, he did talk about how uh, around June of 2019 that they seemed a little distant from each other and Chad seemed to be talking less to him about stuff. Mm -hmm. he'd, get, he'd gotten kind of tired of the prepper stuff and so he was kind of taking a break from it. Mm -hmm. But they were sitting in the back of the church during sacrament meeting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Mormon lore. Mm -hmm. Closer to the front you sit sort of a known thing that you're you're more engaged and involved mm -hmm. you want to know where we sat <laughs> in the back you want to know why because <laughs> we couldn't stop laughing mm -hmm. when we were little kids mm -hmm. uh and neither could our mom and so we we sat way in the back because we mm -hmm. were you know kind of in the hall quite a bit yes yeah. we were sort of half-assed mormons but um <laughs> but there was you know, I, a lot of times, like right in the main uh, chapel, families have benches that they always sit on. You yes. know, it's kind of an unspoken. This is where you guys sit. This is where, you know, mm -hmm. and they had, you know, they were an upfront pew. They sat right up front. They did. With yeah. their kids, and, with their family for the longest time. And suddenly they started sitting in the back. Mm -hmm. And he, Chad was pulling back and not really talking about all this stuff as much. Mm -hmm. That would be, that is very much a part of Mormon culture and would definitely be noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Todd remembers being told that uh, 
Chad was moving out of the house. He also says that he remembered that at Tammy's funeral, he didn't seem sad. He said he seemed like he could handle everything okay. And then in the funeral, when he spoke and Todd said, which personally I thought was odd because most people don't do that when their spouse dies. Yeah. He did show some emotion and spoke for some time. I'm sure he did. Lots of talking for him. He loved that. Mm Mm-hmm. So a few days after the, after he had moved out of the house, what they wanted to do is they wanted to come to his new apartment and bring him pizza and see how he was doing. Mm -hmm. And this is when he was like, Oh, I'll come to you. Mm -hmm. And that's when he came over and (laughs) Todd had showed up. (laughs) Todd said he'd showed up an hour later and he ate some cookies Mm -hmm. (laughs) when Chad came over. And that's when he he was just, they were determined to be a good friend to him. They were, they tried really hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is when he said he had a girlfriend named Lori Vallow. Mm-hmm. And Todd already knew Lori's name because he had listened to these podcasts with mm-hmm. her and Melanie Gibb and Jason Mao. Yeah. Um, and that's when, you know, just a couple days later is when they met Lori and Melanie in the Rexburg Temple with Chad. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. That's, you know, he remembers him coming to the house and, you know, talking about how they were getting along and that they were doing really well. And that he had noticed that they were acting like a couple of teenagers who Mm -hmm. were first in love, like holding hands and sitting close together. And Chad was rubbing her Mm -hmm. leg. And he said, I thought it was odd as his spouse had just passed a week and a half ago. Yeah. And that Todd had never seen Chad act like that with Tammy. Yeah. And then he said, says he's going to go to Hawaii because he had a friend who wanted him to help write a book. Oh, yeah. A yeah. friend. Yeah, right. Yes. Uh, and then he said he was going to marry Lori when Christ told them to get married. Um, Todd remembers at that point that Lori said that she had a husband, her previous husband had died of a heart attack mm-hmm. uh, in December. Mm-hmm. Weird. Uh, and if she I had. I was assuming she meant the de- like the December prior. I wasn't sure what that meant. Yeah, I it must have been the December prior. Uh, because, you know, Charles actually died much more recently than that. Right. And we asked her if she had any children, and she said she had many, he said. Yeah. So that's different than what Alice remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, Chad said Lori had a daughter who had just passed away. And yeah. then Chad never corrected or said anything else after she said that. Yeah. They never said anything about having a, a young son. No. And then they visited again. So they just got married and they showed them their wedding photos and um, talked about taking, they kept saying taking Chad's kids to Disneyland, but I think it was actually not very far. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kids, they said they never saw any children belonging to Lori Vallow. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Todd said that Chad told him that his kids were feeling good about Lori, even though they missed Tammy. Uh, he's how talk- could they've been feeling good about Lori? How? And how would he they know? were because not. He just completely abandoned them, according yeah. to what their kids have said. But again, they were scared to death. They had already lost their mom. They did not understand what was going on, and they didn't want to lose their dad too. Yeah, their whole world had just been pulled out from underneath them. Right. 
Um, Chad also told Todd about Tammy visiting him in spirit and that she was fine with everything. How very convenient right? that her mission was complete on this earth and she could just mm -hmm. move on. Yes. He had told someone else that he'd had a vision of her, Tammy's grandmother. Oh, really? Told, mm -hmm, this was earlier. This I can't remember who said this. It's been a while ago. But that had said that, yeah, he had a vision of Tammy's grandmother and she let him know that Tammy was fine and she had fulfilled her mission on earth and that everything was good. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Ugh. Yeah. Um, he does remember, um, you know, the story about Lori having a daughter who passed away. Um, he remembers Chad saying that Tylee didn't really like him too much and that she just kind of stayed away and yeah, whatever. So then it, uh, the defense does a little bit of cross-examining, talks to Todd, you know, about how he knew Chad and Tammy, of course, has to rehash lots of stuff mm -hmm. we've already heard. Yeah. Um, and then he was asking, you know, about how he was familiar with Chad before they had moved into this community. And he'd said that, yeah, he'd read some of Chad's books. He said they were kind of interesting. They were based on fiction mixed with some of the visions he had seen. And Todd did say that Chad would talk to him about his visions. And uh, Archibald said, did you believe he was telling you the truth or that he was full of crap? <laughs> I know. I <laughs> so can't believe Archibald said it like that. That was funny. Mm -hmm. um, Todd says he was open to listening, but he wasn't really sure what to think. Uh -huh. And then Archibald asks Todd about a book that Chad wrote about him, Brother <laughs> Gilbert. Yeah. What, what the? So The Times of Turmoil is a series that Chad actually wrote about Todd Gilbert. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Archibald asked him, when you read your name in these books, uh, was that flattery or an insult? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and he said that he thought it was flattery and that Chad had told him beforehand that he was going to have me in one of the books. So he kind of knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. Um. Todd said that he felt like Chad thought that a lot of stuff was going to happen and like that he had this idea of how the future was going to happen. And so he wrote about it that way mm -hmm. and that he thought that Chad really did believe that it was going to happen in real life mm -hmm. and that the, the books were about the end of the world and that bad things would happen and then Jesus would come. So it's kind of a validation of his beliefs. Mm-hmm. Wanted to know, Archibald wanted to know who Chad's target audience was. And he said that people who are, you know, preppers mm -hmm. were the target audience. Uh, being prepared to be able to survive the bad things as they go along. If you're prepared, you'll be able to handle them a lot better than if you're not. And, you know, yeah. Mormons are preppers to some extent already. That's built into uh, Mormonism. You know, yeah. we grew up with food storage and oh, yeah. plans, you know just in case stuff, even us. And we grew up pretty mm -hmm. low key Mormon, you know, mm -hmm. we still had plenty of food storage. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. You guys, I have a neighbor who has a two car garage that is food storage from top to bottom, floor to ceiling, front to back, absolutely packed. Yikes. This is some people go way too far. They buy the tents, they buy all the uh, water purification systems. They buy the everything. I mean, people mm -hmm. were spending, people that were like associating with Chad and these guys, 
they were spending $25,000 on this kind of stuff. Yeah. Because they had been convinced that Christ was returning soon and that the whole world was going to go to hell and that they would need this stuff to survive Mm -hmm. and that they were a part of the chosen ones. One common thread throughout all of this is people being made to feel like they were special, more special than other people. They were chosen. They were, you know, they, they had to be ready because they were going to be a part of the special pups. I mean, that's been, that's a common theme in all of this. It is. People fell for it. They went for it. They wanted to be special. There's a long history of Mormons being taught that they're being persecuted mm-hmm. and that they have to be prepared for the next persecution. And if you look back in Mormon history, you find that mm-hmm. Mormons weren't really persecuted. They were kind of ran out of town for murdering people and mm-hmm. doing polygamy when it was illegal and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. but, but there's a real belief around that, that, you know, the day might come when, you know, mm-hmm. we got to go live up in the mountains and be able to support ourselves and take care of our families. Mm-hmm. I can remember for Christmas one year, uh, oh, I don't know, it's been quite a while ago, but one of our aunts bought us each a little water purification system for Christmas. Yeah. I think I still have it. Yeah. I also have a giant bag of wheat in my basement (laughs) that our parents gave us many long, they've been dead a long time, but Mm -hmm. what am I going to, I'll have to do two rocks because I don't have a wheat grinder. I don't know. I do. Yeah, I bet you do. (laughs) We, you would be amazed at all the things we know how to do because Mormons are very self-sufficient and prepared. That is very much a part of the culture. And so this was just buying into that to the next level. Yes. Yeah. Um, So Jessica wants to know on the church stuff, God seems to talk a lot to Chad, Lori and all the rest. Is it normal for LDS to hear God talking to you all the time? Well, if you're a man, yes. Mm -hmm. But women have to get that information through a man. We don't really get to, we get to have feelings. Mm-hmm. We don't get to have direct revelation. So we have Maybe to get Maybe some through. personal revelation, but nothing that you would share with anyone else. Right. So that would come through your bishop or your husband, whatever mm-hmm. priesthood holder is in your life. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's not unusual, but to this extent, it is, yes, mm-hmm. very unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Kat says, well, we're both artistic, crafty, and talented. Give yourselves credit on that. Well, I can put a quilt on by God. I'll tell you that. We certainly can. <laughs> we could can up all kinds of food if we really wanted to. You betcha. We could make all kinds of stuff that we genuinely don't do, but that Go we do actually know garden. how to do. You better believe it. Yeah. And that's not, not bad things. Those garden. aren't bad things at all. They're no, good. not at all. I, yeah. I never got the We're green just thumb. Fun. I never got the green thumb. But yeah, like canning and, you know, the preparation yeah. kinds of things. Definitely. We grew up with all that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so they're talking about, Archibald is asking me about the Prepare People conferences and the podcasts. Mm-hmm. And Todd had said that he knew that Lori was involved in a podcast with Melanie Gibb and Jason Mao. So Jason Mao is a man in Arizona that was involved in their podcast. Uh, We've learned a little bit about Jason Mao, and we're going to learn a lot more about him. Um, But he was Lori's friend. He doesn't, Todd didn't really remember a lot about the podcast. He Uh did remember they interviewed Chad one time. Uh And then they talked about Thor Furaseth. 
who was another guy that was on their podcast. Mm -hmm. So then Archibald wants to play a podcast that features Jason Mal, Lori, Melanie Gibb, and Thor for a Seth. He wants to play an hour and 49 minute podcast Mm -hmm. in court. Mm -hmm. And so the jurors had to leave the room so they could have a big fight about this. Because <laughs> it's true. Because Blake was not having it. The, no. the prosecution did not want this. The defense wanted it admitted um, as evidence and played for the jury. The poli- the prosecution was like, no, um, it was of not on their not. Um, evidence list. Why would the prosecution want Lori's voice to be able to be uh, heard by the jurors? without them giving an opportunity to cross-examine her. Right. It's almost like she would be testifying Mm -hmm. on her own behalf in a way that cannot be questioned. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so so, you do need to clear one thing up real quick. Oh yeah. Uh, Multiple people here thought you said you had a big bag of weed. No wheat. Wait, no grinder. Oh, Lord. No, 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 no. Wheat as in flour to make bread. Wheat. Mm. Yeah. I wish I had a big bag of weed fruit. Yeah. No, that is not what happened. Definitely not church sanctioned. No, 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 no. A big bag of gummy. No, no. Yeah. Still Uh, not that. No. But this was a big fight because the, the, the prosecution was like, wait a minute. This is like her testifying, but we can't question her. So Mm -hmm. here's what Archibald says. He wants to play this podcast that was recorded on November 4th of 2018. Um, And so he describes it. That Melanie Gibbs starts talking. She talks at the beginning. Then Thor comes in and talks for 14 minutes about his hard life and finding God. There, there, There are all these stories that they have about how they've had a really hard life and hit rock bottom and then found Jesus. And, you know, it's that kind of story for all of them. So then Jason Mao would come on. And do the same thing. And then Lori would come on and do the same thing. Um, yeah. Now, here's where this gets dicey. Because in this particular podcast, at some point, Lori introduces herself and talks about her former husband, Joe Ryan, Tylee's dad, yeah. abusing her children and how finding Jesus and attending the temple helped her escape her scenario. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, they kind of all talk and ask questions. And Zulema is even on there. Mm -hmm. Um, So Archibald says, it's a podcast that I think this witness listened to since he identified the names. Mm -hmm. And so he wants to admit this exhibit and he thinks it will help the jury to educate the jury on their religious beliefs of all of them. And that Mr. Gilbert, you know, brought it up through questions from the state so he should get to air it yeah and that you know he knew about the dreams and visions and stuff from mm-hmm. chad daybell so he says that um playing that podcast will provide a foundation in the case i just mm-hmm. find all this interesting because we're still in the prosecution right. why wouldn't you just play this during the defense portion of the show you know what i'm saying like right So he says the first 40 minutes are probably the most important and that he could probably just do that. Mm 
Right. But honestly, um, I'm over here chomping at the bit for them to introduce Joe Ryan. You want to talk about Joe Ryan? Let's go. Let's, let's talk about Joe it. Ryan. Let's yeah. see. Where is Joe Ryan? Oh, guess what? He's dead. That's where he is. Hmm. He died of an unattended death with some pretty pulmonary edema. Shocker. Yeah. Pulmonary edema. Where have we heard that before? Yeah. yeah. And the state did give them an opening journey. That is true. They mm -hmm. did accidentally through mm -hmm. the stuff that Todd um, Gilbert said. But this was a yeah. very interesting argument. Yeah. So Blake says that they object for multiple reasons. She said there's a lack of foundation. The witness just testified about a podcast he heard that he wasn't actually present to authenticate that it, that the recording that they have is even the right one. And, right. you know, he did not indicate a day or time that the podcast was made, which is true. He no. didn't. Um, or a time that, or the day or time he watched, he listened well, to, to it either. Fair, he said that he heard a podcast of Melanie and Lori's that Chad was on. Right. He did. Chad wasn't on this podcast. No. I just, I don't think this should have ever been played. I think this was all wrong, but yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. So her last statement, Blake's, is uh, this appears to be an attempt by the defendant to try and get statements in without taking the stand. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that's the big question. Is Lori yeah. going to take the stand? Um, so then she says, you know, there's no relevance here, but if the court is going to admit it, they want to review it first. Mm -hmm. It's an hour and 49 minutes long, you know, like, so the recording is not on the state's exhibit list. Yeah. And, you know, they were not planning on this at all. No. Um, so the judge basically says the witness can... Um, listen to a little bit of the podcast and see if he recognizes it as one that he has listened to. And if he can confirm that or not, mm -hmm. then he says that'll be enough of a foundation for the court to admit the podcast. Mm -hmm. So then uh, that's what they do. So first, so the state wants to review it, authenticate it. Then they're going to show it to Todd Gilbert so he can authenticate it. And of course, all this stuff has to happen when the jury is not in the room. Uh -huh. Um. let's see so they bring him back in the room yeah. and they don't bring they keep the jury out so that yeah. he can just hear a little bit to find out is this the right one right yeah this is the first time that defense has a you know put an exhibit in except for that one that uh was probably an episode of csi earlier that thomas was going to put in i don't know um so this was, they were going to hear Lori on the tape talking about her religious beliefs and stuff. So they're going to hold the jurors out mm -hmm. so that Archibald can question Todd and find out, you know, is this something you actually heard? Yeah. So they play the beginning of it and it's Melanie Gibb talking about her experiences. And Todd, Archibald asks Todd if he recognizes the podcast. And he says, I can't remember for sure. It's been a while. And so then, of course, Blake objects, like, I thought that was the foundation for this. Mm -hmm. um, so they keep listening for a while, you know, and then we hear Thor for a Seth, and then we hear Jason Mao, and then we hear Lori. And Archibald wanted to know if Todd recognized the voice, and he says that he did. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, she want, Then Blake wants to know, has he ever met Melanie Gibb? And he said he had spoken to her on the phone once and met her once. Yeah. And he said he's never met Thor for a Seth, but he has met Jason Mao. He said, if you listen to more than one of these podcasts, because there were many at one point, mm-hmm. Todd says he has. Um, Blake wants to know if he knew when the podcast was made. And he said the later part of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, but Todd doesn't know where he heard the podcast other than it was on a website. Yeah. So they just kind of argue back and forth. He says it sounds familiar and. He said, this is one of them I've listened to, but they had three or four that he'd listened to. And, mm-hmm. you know, so they go back and forth and black, back and forth. And so Blake renews her objection again mm-hmm. about that. This Blake is a, fought hard. She really fought hard. Like this is really self-serving and it's hearsay because. Um, These people know, aren't even here. Right. So. Um, Archibald argues that the state opened the door and that they just, he just wants to do the first 40 minutes. And, um, it says, this is going to open the door to more evidence, specifically a prior husband of Lori Daybell. Yeah. This is a big deal mm-hmm. because they haven't been able to talk about Joe Ryan. No. So basically the judge says, we're going to, we're going to hear it. So they bring it in. They bring the, the jurors back in. And it's Melanie Gibb and she's talking about how she's having a really hard time and she's been praying and praying. And then she has this experience with Jesus that changes her heart forever. And she testifies to the power of Jesus changing hearts. And then Melanie reads from something that she wrote about being a witness of God and choosing Jesus. This witness thing is really important because they all Mm -hmm. say this. Yes. Um, She said, this is what came to me as I was writing and the spirit filled my soul. I knew that I was his and he has changed me forever. Um, Then she wants, you know, the listeners to listen to her her friends who have also had powerful spiritual experiences. Mm -hmm. So this Thor guy comes on and he's talking about his Mm -hmm. experiences and how he grew up (laughs) on an Indian reservation where everybody smoked and everybody drank. And if you're a Mormon, that's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. And the rest of the world is probably like, and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, he said that he became an alcoholic and that he started falling into a lot of pitfalls. Pitfalls are like sins. Mm -hmm. Um, That's real Mormon speak. Mm -hmm. Um, So Thoris talks about Satan is real and his minions are here and that he got to a point in his life where he didn't care if he lived or died. And remember the jury Mm -hmm. is hearing this stuff from these people with very little context. Mm -hmm. Um, He says, Satan has always been around me because that's a thing that Mormons believe. And I know a lot of other Christians believe it too, that that Satan or the adversary is always tempting you to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he said he was going to end his life. um, And that Satan was there with him telling him to do it. Mm -hmm. And apparently Lori was very intently listening to this podcast. Yeah. He then says he put a 12 gauge shotgun to his head, which I had to just stop for a minute and go, is this guy Bigfoot? Like, how could he have? Anyway. <laughs> really so funny because I had the same thought. I'm like, really? How long is his arms? Yeah. Yeah. And he says that Heavenly Mother entered the room and that Satan ran from the room. And Heavenly Mother told her that she loved him and stuff and uh, that he needed to love himself and give more to others, you know, and. He this talks itself about. was pretty curious because 
in the LDS religion, they don't talk about Heavenly Mother. No. Heavenly Mother, the wife of God, the wife of Heavenly Father, is not supposed to be spoken about Mm -hmm. or really known about. Uh, We were always taught as a protection to her so that people didn't take her name in vain. Yeah. So that was interesting. Mm -hmm. You don't often hear stories like that. No. So he basically turns his life around and says he wants to be on the Lord's team and mm-hmm. that Satan is here for the opposition and that he's not going to fall for that anymore and stuff. Yeah. Um, Thor talks about passing a different test every day, which is a test of Satan testing him and then him not mm-hmm. giving in. Um and then he yeah. talks about coming to events like that they they were all going to, yeah, because it makes him feel better and stuff. Mm-hmm. So then Jason Mao gets in there and he starts telling stories out of the Book of Mormon and um, talks about how he grew up in the Mormon Church, but that he was not a good Mormon, that he served a Mormon mission, so he must have been a pretty good Mormon. Uh, when he got home from his mission, he went, he joined the army. And then after that, mm-hmm. he became a police officer. Uh, and then he was wounded as a police officer. And then his wife left him. He said, I was wounded, crippled, unemployed, broke and divorced. Mm-hmm. And that he really had a lot to fight to get out of that. Yeah. Um, he said that he went to God and was upset about losing everything and that he went from being a SWAT guy to an invalid, just like that. Yeah. And God said, I allowed you to survive all of that so you could do this now. And now his job is to help people become who they are destined to become. Mm-hmm. So he ch- shared some other quotes and, you know, gets all inspirationally on it. Um, and starts talking about the se- second coming of Jesus Christ, because that's a big part of all of their beliefs and stuff. Yeah. And then um, he says, it's time to wake up when you feel the burning inside of you. That is the captain's call. That is the warrior. We hear this warrior word a lot. Accept who you are and move forward with faith. And then Lori starts to talk and Blake objects again. And he says, your honor, I'd like to renew our objection and ask to approach. So they have a sidebar again. And so the judge says he's going to listen to the part with Lori talking before he allows it to be played. Mm-hmm. Um, so J- Lori is just smiling all through this, according yeah. to Nate Eaton. She's loving every second. Boy, court was entertaining for Lori today. She loved this shit. She Again, did. I'll bet the jury was dumbfounded to watch her so happy, so thrilled to be hearing all this stuff. I, they had to have been, right? God, I hope so. So then they come back from break. The judge has listened to it. And so Archibald argues that, you know, having the next portion of this played uh, with Lori's voice will help everyone understand more of what Todd Gilbert was talking about when he listened to the podcast. And of course, the prosecution was, again, very much against it. Mm-hmm. Boyce says that he had listened to the recording and that it doesn't appear to be self-serving. And he said there's mm-hmm. no mention of Joseph Ryan in the portion that Boyce listened to. But I think, Katie, do you want to play our little recording that didn't come from this podcast? 
but no. is another time that Lori was talking about her challenges and the things that she said mm -hmm. about Joe Ryan. And you, when you hear this, you'll know why this would have been a really big deal for this to come in. For sure. And this was Lori speaking in some kind of a, like a living room setting or something like that, like to, to this same kind of group, uh, also in the fall of uh, 2018. I had um, been married to someone who was very awful, who raped my children. And um, I had divorced him and gotten away from him. And he had joined the church. He spoke in state conference. Everyone thought he was wonderful. He was very good showman of all those things. And after we were divorced, um, he told everybody that I was this lying, crazy Mormon and got up in court and said all these horrible things about me and turned it around to where the judges believed him instead of me. And he was constantly trying to get custody of my three-year-old daughter and just to rub it in my face. And um, I went through a lot of years of, of this kind of hard stuff and I was going to murder him. I was going to kill him, like the scriptures say, like Nephi killed him, just to stop the pain and to stop him coming after me and to stop him coming after my children. And I was just, I just thought I couldn't take it anymore. And I would go through the scriptures and find all the things, like if he comes against you once, if he comes against you twice, if he comes against you three times, then you can kill him. It says it in the scriptures. <laughs> I'm like, there it is. There's my answer. I don't want to do anything that's wrong. I did not have a murderous heart. I just wanted to stop the bleeding and stop the pain. And so someone wise was speaking to me and said, you need to go to the temple. So I went and met my bishop and I was like, Like, can you even with right. that? Can you even with that? And we don't know exactly what is true about Joe Ryan and the kids. And mm -hmm. Colby has never denied the fact that there was sexual abuse. Annie Cushing, who was Joe Ryan's sister, you know, agreed that Joe Ryan definitely had some issues with anger. Mm -hmm. Now, were things as bad as Lori says? We don't know. He was never charged with anything. No, and... and the court records, the things that we have seen really puts the jury out on that for me. Mm -hmm. We're not sure really mm -hmm. what is true there at all. But what we do know is that Joe Ryan died in an unattended death that was considered to be some kind of heart, event, heart event. Mm -hmm. Joe Ryan lay dead in his apartment for quite a while before he was found. Yeah. And this happened, you know, back prior to any of this other stuff happening. And mm -hmm. so his death was never investigated as anything but natural causes. Yeah. But it does make you wonder, yeah. doesn't it? Well, especially because Tylee got $65,000 in life insurance. Yes, she did. Tylee. Tylee. Yeah, Tylee. She did not yeah. get that. Her mother took it. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is really where Boyce or I think Blake was thinking that they were going to be hearing some version of the story because Archibald said, Lori's mm -hmm. going to tell about, you know, having this husband and how, you know, things are really bad. And then Jesus helped her, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, so they decide that, okay. The judge says, okay, I've listened to it. I think it's okay. We're going to play it. 
And Lori says, I am a witness of Jason Mao to everything he says about what the prophet says and what the Lord is telling us. My job, according to Jesus Christ, is to wake up the women warriors. I, -hmm. too, have gone to the bottom edge. I, too, have have seen the resurrected Jesus Christ. And he has told me my mission. And he has sent me to help people and lift them in their mission. Yeah. So that was a you know, part of the statement. And of course we're posting it so that you can listen to the whole thing. And I tried to clean it up and boost the sound as best I can. So you can hear it. I, I think it's better. Um, oh, it's definitely better. When they came back, when Lori first started to speak and Blake objected, and then the judge went to listen to it and they came back, that portion of Lori was extremely hard to hear. It was way lower volume than the rest of it was. Well, yeah. In the audio file. It was yeah. like a quarter of the volume of the of the other recordings. Yeah. Because again, I, I don't know. These people were talking into their computers, I guess. I don't I wouldn't call this a podcast just because there were a lot of problems with stuff like mm-hmm. that. I did I did fix that. So you should be able to hear it. But she just talks about how yeah. you know, she grew up in Southern California. She went to BYU and then things turned really bad. You know, Lori mm-hmm. had several husbands and a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that she was shown that she's a warrior and that she fought with Satan in the pre-existence, which is for this life. And he uh-huh. showed, you know, that she was shown all of this so that she would quit crying in the temple and so that she could be the warrior that she was sent here to be. I found that really odd. Mm-hmm. And so she, you know, talks about her own experiences and she's big on the angel Moroni, which is the only angel that Mormons talk about at all. And so she talks about how she met Jason Mao, mm-hmm. met him in a Mormon temple. And the, a friend had told her that's the guy he writes books about Moroni. And so yep. she felt like she had to talk to him. So she went and found a seat near him. And when he walked by her, she said, hi, do you have a message for me from Moroni? Because that's just a normal thing to ask someone, right? <laughs> sure. Um, that's around the time that Jason Mao introduced her to Melanie Gibb. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, she talked about how the Lord is building an army. And he's calling people to do missions and all this stuff that she's supposed to do. This is why we posted the other podcast we posted today. Mm-hmm. So you'll see that we posted two podcasts. We posted the, well, we will at the end of the day post the one that they listened to in court, but we posted another one too. It was the very first podcast that Melanie, Jason, and Lori did together. Mm-hmm. And it's the same kind of talk about warriors and armies and battles and defeating and that kind of stuff this is a really common theme among Mm -hmm. these guys this warrior stuff so that's where the judge ends it so they don't listen to any more of it yeah um so then archibald goes back to ask um todd gilbert some more stuff he wanted to know if what he'd heard on the podcast was mainstream lds beliefs and todd said probably most of it but not all of it Mm-hmm. And that he said that he saw Chad starting to stray in his beliefs, mm-hmm. which clearly we know is true. Yeah. Um, he talked about how, you know, he saw Tammy visiting them in spirit. And Archibald wanted to know if he believed him about that. And he said that he wasn't sure because that had never happened to him before. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. <laughs> he asked Todd that if where you sit in church has an impact on your spirituality. <laughs> he said that the daybells gradually moved from the front of the building to the back. And mm-hmm. he said, it seems like maybe they were trying to hide a little bit from the way they were before. Mm-hmm. It's culturally, that is very significant. Mm-hmm. And so then Blake doesn't have anything more. And this is maybe one of Lindsay Blake's biggest mic drops so far. So she wanted to redirect. Yep. And she asked Todd <clears throat> Gilbert if the children of Melanie Gibb, Thor, or Jason Mao were found buried on Chad's property. Todd says no. And Blake says no further questions. And that's when court ended today. Boom, bitch. Yeah. Yep. That was really powerful. Mm-hmm. That's that's correct, Lindsay. What a badass. Yeah, yeah. It was very cool. Like, you know, you can, you know, try to normalize some of this or that this is just their beliefs or whatever, but none of those other people have dead kids right. or dead spouses. Mm-hmm. Yep. Only and yes, Joe Ryan's that. death was in April 2018. So, yeah. so these guys were asking about that. Yeah, I mean, and then she said that stuff in the fall of 2018 and then charles died in the summer of 2019 like this was not a long time ago this was all rolling on yeah so and and who are they fighting the warriors who are they fighting everybody else i mean i'm gonna go right off the cuff here and say zombies apparently yeah but also really anybody that uh I, I, and I don't mean to offend anybody by saying this, but I, I believe this is truly the belief that uh, anybody that's not Mormon or anybody that's not Christian that wasn't bought in when Jesus returned, right? Right. They didn't we're going to fight did. everybody else. Yeah. 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 So powerful stuff. Powerful for the jury to hear these experiences yeah. from people that knew Tammy Daybell and that knew mm-hmm. Chad Daybell and what they were witnessing. I, this was a this was an important day. Yeah. Just for context. Yeah. And to understand what people around them were seeing. Mm-hmm. Well, friends, that's all we have for tonight. Yeah. Katie will be in court tomorrow, so she will be live posting on Twitter and yep. on Facebook. And then I will be on Please let the Pulowskis be on the scan tomorrow. Please let it be the Pulowskis right out of the gate. I think it will be. It'll be very interesting, but I think we're going to be seeing some of that. Yes. And I'll be there on Friday doing the same. And, you know, it will be back here with lives after the fact to sum it all up for you. So we appreciate all of you and your support and your consistency. We're doing this for a reason, as you can see. You know, we have... We feel very strongly about the need to tell the truth about this experience and honor the victims, honor Tylee, JJ, and Tammy, and Charles. And Charles, and Joe Ryan, for God's sake. Because honestly, personal opinion without fact, Lori killed Joe Ryan. Yeah. Lori and Alex killed Joe Ryan. I will, I absolutely will own it. I believe that's true. Mm -hmm. I do too. And it's one that will never get proven. No. It's actually been, they've actually reviewed his death. Mm-hmm. The police in Arizona have, and they just, they don't have anything. Yeah. And there was no 
investigation done. It was just seen as a natural death. So that, yeah. that one's not ever going to go anywhere, but no, you know, yep. I think it's important to acknowledge him as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know it. If you want to support us, uh, go to truecrimesquad.com. You can do that there. If you already have, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. You guys we are, are putting a massive amount of time and energy into this. And so we do appreciate that. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's appreciated, but certainly not expected. Yeah. And you know it. We are the True Crime Squad. Thanks for being here. Take care. Mm -hmm.